Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 196 for Monday, June 6th, 2022. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is High Flying Johnny otherwise known as Pixelref. Hello, sir. Hello. Thank you, Maverick. Joel Duggan. Um, speaking of, <laughs> if you want to hear more about Joel's opinions of the new Top Gun movie, uh, that is pretty much all we talked about in the render distance, but it sounds like a great time. Uh, if you want to hear the render distance, you can get on in the ex- in the extended conversation at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks. And the render distance is just a pre and post show chat that we have every week, sometimes about Minecraft, sometimes about other things. Uh, this is also the first episode of June. So we want to thank our patrons who support the show for continuing to make the show possible and we're really looking forward to our june patron hangout which should be taking place on the last saturday of the month which is june 25th at which point i'm sure we'll hear how folks are settling in to the wild update uh this show is largely going to be concerned with our own preparations for the wild update but aside from that joel what have you been up to on the citadel this week so this week has been a little bit of a, of a slower kind of like finishing up existing builds and kind of polishing up the area that i was working in the last little while uh, I had the exterior of the canal bakery finished last week, and this week I went inside, and I'm relatively uh, happy with everything, but very proud of the kind of kitchen area. Uh, I, I do have the tables and chairs data pack and the uh, armor stand data pack that allows me to put things like loaves of bread uh, on on the tables, but I also got a spruce button on a table that looks kind of like something baked, uh, and uh, using some mini blocks from the... Um, the vanilla tweaks data pack but really the the thing that kind of steals the show in the main kitchen is the double wide oven slash chimney that i'm i'm really happy with using a combination of like a, a couple of smokers and a furnace using some uh tripwire hooks and buttons and other levers and barrels and kind of making it look like there's a bellows and just a, a bunch of things that kind of like are still vanilla even though i've got a couple of different you know tweaks in the area to have it sell as like a, an inside bakery uh there were three floors to the house but the upstairs two floors are pretty small so there's nothing too crazy there beds tables candles flower in the window stuff like that but it means that you can you know walk away from the bill going like i've done it if somebody decides to walk through it it's all been thought of and there's a number of things that are are all set it out you know um so then on the other side of it there is the canal which is where the canal bakery gets its name and this is kind of a unique idea i've had for a while and i've been struggling with how to execute it and uh, i had the kind of original kind of like fork where the moat from the keep kind of spilled around the corner and traveled down and joins the West Hill River. And it travels through the west side of West Hill under the town square and then comes back out by the port. And uh, this was just kind of like taking that initial function and form and putting, you know, the the battlement on the top of the, the wall and adding some leaves and, you know, mossy bricks and cracked bricks and things like that and trying to make it look solid. Um, the transparency of water still has a, an odd effect because when you look at it, you can still see through the waterfall all the way to the back wall of the moat. So yeah. I may or may not, you know, do something more with that. Um, one of the things I'm waiting for, which we'll talk about later is that obviously in a very short period of time, we'll be able to waterlog leaf blocks. Uh, and so I'll be doing that and, and finishing up it's, it's about 90, 95% done. There's just a couple of things, especially where the, the waterfall meets the canal and the canal texture of the actual, um, bottom of the canal. I didn't bother to put in like seagrass and stuff like that too much because I want to use, um, I want to use, uh, 
waterlogged leaf blocks and i may even submerge some of them in the waterfall to make it look a little denser like a little a little uh less transparent but we'll see mm -hmm. that might that might not end up looking very good um but for now that's that's where i'm at and i'm really i'm really happy with this like i don't want to call it a happy accident but it was like it was this thing that i planned that i had no idea how i was really going to execute and it it really feels like it's come together and when you're walking through the area there's this nice cascade of like oh cool it's this bakery build and there's this little path here but the moment that you walk close enough to the path that you can see around the bakery you've got this bright blue waterfall and all these green areas and it's really starting to set off this side of west hill apart from the more functional side where like if you've got a space between two buildings it's a path like it's mm -hmm. used and functional whereas this it's like we've got our paths but we've got enough space to have green vines growing over things we've got a waterfall we've got some flowing water the noise of the flowing water is nice when you're in the area so there's all these things that i think are coming together really really nice with the area but um i don't know what's happening next i've kind of like reached a point where like i either have to move on to a different building or i maybe have to finish the entire moat i'm not sure what's what's next but um i'm waiting until 119 which i won't have to wait very long yeah yeah that makes sense and i think it is nice like you said to break up the like what can i put here instead of just brown and gray monotony yeah. with, like the water running through the town is obviously like it, it's a feature but it's obviously a feature that's kind of in your blind spot for the most part like unless you are standing right by the waterfront you don't tend to see it as much so elevation changes in water while they don't always natively look all that great in minecraft because of the way water physics happen and the waterfalls not seeming quite as you know, there's, you can't quite get rushing water in Minecraft in, in the same way. It, water has one speed, <laughs> pretty much. Um, but you've got that and the greenery and the, the red brick and stuff. Like, it, it's it's a nice set of color highlights in what could otherwise just be another kind of gray and brown corner of the city. I might try to even do a couple of tricks with, like, buried campfires, like, underneath the bottom. If I can find a way to get a transparent block that allows the smoke to come out through the water, then that could look like you know water vapor or spray coming up mm -hmm. yeah. in the waterfall but i haven't i haven't tried it yet because again like i've not i've not worked on the bottom uh one thing that helps with waterfalls uh i think immensely uh is now waterlogged slabs and waterlogged stairs yeah so uh, yeah, the way absolutely. that i've got this set up i've i've made the stairs kind of face one another so they have that kind of like u shape and that helps it look like it's man-made and like this waterfall wouldn't be here unless we were bringing water out to a, a sharp edge and dropping it straight down. So while I don't need it to be a natural waterfall, which I do find hard to make in Minecraft, this just has to look like a straight up like manufactured, like the, uh, a lock in a canal or a gate or whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't remember what the technical term is, but it just it just looks like a a, a, a water spout i guess a man-made water spout so but yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to doing more with water in other builds i i don't really have any other opportunities yet in this build but when i was thinking about other things someone asked me about you know what other things do i want to work on when west hill is done i mean west hill is far from finished but the idea of doing something like an elven city or some other city where like water is like the main feature and just mm -hmm. everywhere would be really cool because i i've learned just how nice it is to have this bright blue color in the build and you don't necessarily have to um build with blue blocks which are hard to kind of incorporate into a medieval setting to have some color popping around the the build yeah, like I, I would love to do, I, I tried this ages ago, but I didn't have the time or really the vision to pull it off, but I would love to do 
a proper canal town build in a more contemporary style you know something like amsterdam or venice yes. you know that, mm-hmm. that has like so much history behind it and historical looking buildings as well as having to modernize over time always seems like an ideal minecraft project to me especially since most of the water can be fairly still which kind of works for minecraft's whole vibe but yeah yes. it's it's just the kind of thing that i would love to pull off but to do it on the right kind of scale and to do it correctly it feels like would be a lifetime's worth of building it feels like because you know that's the the kind of history that goes into those cities to begin with yeah i wasn't sure about the moat i wanted the moat to have like a deep feel to it like a, a deep pit feel and it's been empty for a long time so i've kind of gotten used to how deep it is and i was really concerned about putting two blocks of water in it mm. uh, reducing the depth of your vision to the bottom of it by two blocks which is considerable but the advantage there is that you can have two high seagrass. So if you end up doing a canal, I would definitely say like have it be two blocks deep because then you can have like flowing seagrass and flowing kelp and have so much movement in the in the you know the still Minecraft water that I think it would be to your advantage. Mm, you got mud blocks coming in uh, one nineteen yes. as well, so that's there's that potentially too. even more river bottom textures to be explored. Um, so I've been doing a bit of prep for one nineteen myself in Survival Guide, and we'll we'll save that for the main discussion because we're obviously going to be talking a lot about that. Uh, in the meantime, though, I've been tying up some advancements in advance of one nineteen um, because I felt like there were some that just needed taken care of. People have been hounding me for a while, saying, you know, why have you got like two pieces of diamond armor and the rest is either netherite or your elytra? or like it's it's been one of those things that i've never quite found the right occasion to just go digging for more netherite and i realized oh wait no there's an advancement for getting a full suit of netherite armor i might as well do that and that led me into tying up a few advancements that i figured these aren't going to change dramatically in 119 and they're just little things that i've done the majority of already like i completed monsters hunted by hunting down my last monster which was an endermite that i hadn't i had killed a zoglin in the previous episode but an endermite was uh not something i'd really tangled with uh, aside from trapping one for my enderman farm in which case i didn't kill it so i killed that uh, i found my last biome which turned out to be an ice spikes biome surprisingly much as you normally expect it to be like one of the more obscure like windswept savanna hills or something like that i i had not been to an ice spikes biome in this world at all uh, I fired my first crossbow directly at a pillager, so that was very fun. Um, I got the achievement for you know playing a jukebox in a meadow, that kind of stuff. Like just taking off a few of the little ones. And while obviously the adventuring time achievement for finding all the biomes is going to add mangrove swamp and the deep dark in the next update, those are places I plan on going anyway. So it'll be nice to just easily grab that one again. And a lot of the others aren't really changing all that much in terms of their criteria. I know people are concerned about having to add the darkness effect from Skulk Sensors and the Warden into the process of getting how did we get here to have all of the status effects at once. And that's going to be an interesting challenge, but that wasn't something I could slap together over the weekend. <laughs> so I'm, I'm planning on exploring that stuff in 119. But at least the Warden isn't going to be part of Monsters Hunted, so you're not going to have to kill the Warden in order to... Uh, have hunted every monster in the game technically speaking oh that makes sense given what they've been trying to do with like the gameplay for the warden and how they're yeah, you know, exactly wanting people to avoid it not not fight it stuff like that i uh we recently had some server issues and we ended up moving uh nodes i guess um, uh-huh. i'm not entirely sure what that means but uh ultimately what happened was there's some back-end issues and some of our server settings were reset 
uh, or not set the way that we wanted it to. So I had to go through everything and make sure everything was turned on. But one of the things that was more of a pain to re-implement was that all of the achievements were were reset. Oh, uh, right. In the yes, same so way that when you, yeah, when you update to 119, like you generally for me, when we update to a new version of Minecraft, like the first time you craft something or the first time you do something, like you get your first bit of iron, it gives you like the little achievement thing. On yeah. Top. Or you get like a recipe toast or something. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so we've not, um, we've not bothered to kind of go back and reset it because no one on the server really like works hard on their achievements, mm -hmm, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I don't know whether it's a symptom of a being on a server versus being in a single player world. Uh, so when you when you update to 119, like do any of your achievements reset? Do all of them reset? No, I mean, they, they should stay as they are. It's just the ones that would have additional requirements in 119. Like if they add then more are, types yeah. of food, then, right. you know, you're going to need to yeah. get extra food for a, for a balanced diet and so forth. So it's it's really just stuff like that. It's not like you're not getting achievements for crafting a stone pickaxe again, you know, ideally. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that that's more like player data issues. If you're migrating a server, a lot of the time, some of that stuff can, uh... can kind of get lost in the transfer process. That's likely it too, because we've also got you know the other stuff that we'll get into later with like chunk trimming and the things that you mm -hmm. do on a server before updating it can be a little bit different than especially if people are just starting a new world um but yeah player data is definitely because that's that was the the fix was like hunting down all this player data i'm just like geez this is going to take a long time for me and i've got four or five other people to do it for yeah and so it was just a matter of just asking around just like do people really care about achievements and essentially <laughs> it was like not 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 a big not a big deal um, but it has been interesting as I've been walking around on stream and like things are happening for the first time. I was like, no worries. It really is a five-year-old world. We, we've just yeah. had some player data changes in yeah. the last little while. But yeah, that, I mean, it's interesting that with, you know, the survival guide uh, and the achievements, like how um, the, it almost acts, achievements almost act like an underlying um, walkthrough. Like there's definitely yeah. like gameplay hints and tutorial hints in the achievements. And I think it's probably one of those things that as a long time, long world player, I take for granted that, yeah. that they're in the game and that they are, they have those instructional beats, you know? And there's so many of them that you can turn into larger scale projects if you have a mind to do that. So like the ones I've been avoiding doing for this sort of small between versions episode uh, I've, I've been avoiding doing stuff like Star Trader, which is the one where you trade with a villager at the build height limit of the world. And I've done that just in a snapshot world when it first was added to the game, just as a kind of like, hey, fun, let's let's try and get all of the, uh, the, the advancements that are new. And you can just obviously build a water bubble column all the way to build height, push a villager into it, go up there yourself, trade with him, jump off and get the fall from build height to bedrock achievement on the way down if you want to like you can you can speed run that kind of stuff right but to me those kind of challenges always feel more like an invitation to explore that in terms of you can do a big build for this series you know you can have like yeah you can build a villager trading hall on a mountaintop and make it something that feels like a showpiece for the world kind of the same thing i was doing with the guardian farm right like you you don't have to put that amount of effort in but if you want to make it feel like you've had an impact on the world and that was the motivating factor for it it can be very good as like a springboard to more activities for your world if you're kind of stuck for stuff to do which i rarely am but i, I still think it's nice to have that stuff as like an ideas factory of sorts um, so yeah, I've, I've been kind of looking at advancements and thinking, okay, how can I turn some of these into a bigger concept for the series? And more often than not, when will I have the time to accomplish this stuff in greater detail? Um, 
The other thing I've been doing, I waited until after our Bedrock parity discussion last week to break onto the nether roof. <laughs> and we did have a, have a good old chat about that last week. But yeah, I um, I wanted to do an episode about respawn anchors because I realized I hadn't used one of those in the series at all. I haven't really made a base in the nether and I have no need to want to respawn in the nether at the moment because all that's really there is a set of tunnels going to other places in the overworld. But I decided I should probably introduce respawn anchors before we get too far into, hey, new updates, new updates, new updates. And I decided the nether roof was also going to be something I'd have to introduce eventually because I want to make a gold farm and I want to make a gold farm that doesn't involve hundreds of hours of effort. <laughs> so I figured I'd probably make the standard kind of nether roof design for it. And I decided I should probably get started on that now. And it feels like having passed the 100 episode mark, we're sort of out of the beginning phases of like having to introduce everything as a basic concept so we can start to do some of the stuff that is if not a bit controversial in the case of the nether roof then at least feels a little bit more advanced but still feels like something that's in the the meta right now and is in is part of the conversation that survival players are having in longer term worlds remind me the recipe for a respawn anchor it's six crying obsidian three glowstone and then you have to charge it with up to four additional glowstone blocks. So, right. yeah, okay. if you want a fully charged anchor, you're talking, yeah, seven glowstone and six crying obsidian. So crying obsidian, you need to either barter from piglins. You can sometimes find it in the ruined nether portals. There's a, there's a couple of different ways to get it, but it's um, definitely more of like a piglin interaction thing is what tends to fuel it for me. Right. So not, not, a, not necessarily a block people are going to be decorating with because of the, the rare stuff in it as yeah much. i mean yeah. pe people people don't tend to decorate with them because they explode in the overworld as well mm. <laughs> um they have mm -hmm. that bed thing where like the if you if you put them in the wrong dimension and set your spawn they explode but the cool thing about those is they only do that if they are primed with glowstone so if you want to build with a respawn anchor that hasn't been charged up you can do that and you can right click on it all you want in the overworld and it's not gonna blow anything up um nice. but i th i think they look really good in almost like kind of dark gothic maybe slightly cultist looking like totem builds or something like that like if you have a a pillar of crying obsidian with a respawn anchor on the top the bottom texture of it blends in really nicely and it just feels like a cap to a pillar of sorts so if you want to have right. like some kind of i don't know ancient you know worship site or something like that that has uh, a bunch of really interesting un unusual looking decorations on the way up I, I recommend the respawn anchor as long as you don't put any glowstone in it because otherwise yeah. you will blow yourself up probably yeah no i just and it's funny that you mention all that because that's exactly what my brain was going to probably because i've been watching stranger things this week and mm, yeah it's, absolutely it's, it's, it's got that kind of like it's got that kind of vibe that kind of like evil kind of warlocky you know kind of like dark and broody kind of vibe to it mm -hmm. um and uh so like when when going on to the nether roof like do you was was the the spur to that just the respawn anchor or was it was it because you now want to do like farms and and build a bunch of of powerful stuff up there it was kind of a combination of both i i want to also introduce people to the idea that you can get back onto the nether roof without having to break bedrock which is the other part of it like i haven't broken bedrock up there at all i think people often forget that you can now link uh nether portals from the overworld onto the nether roof and that works you don't have to like embed it half in the bedrock and break a ton of bedrock to place a portal there like they, they just let you do this in java edition now and so i have a nether portal that's directly like vertically above 
the portal that leads out of my storage building into the nether and so that links to the nether hub now and it links to the over the the, the nether roof as well um so that's kind of cool and I, I really just wanted to get started with the nether roof to acknowledge that yes this is a thing and we are going to be using it in future but i think having the respawn anchor and showing that you can respawn in the nether was also a, a fun part of that nice what do you say we move on to some news? Yes, let's do it. Um, the news is probably pretty obvious to most people who've been paying attention, but uh, worth reading all the same. The wild update is almost here. We have a link to the Minecraft.net article summarizing and linking to the wild update trailer. Uh, the article leans into the spooky vibe of the deep dark, as does the trailer. There is also a couple of pre-releases that came out over the last week. Minecraft Java Edition 119 pre-release 4 and 5. Both pre-releases contained a handful of bug fixes. Notable examples include aquifers can cut themselves off at chunk borders. The gear equipping sound plays every time armor or when elytra durability changes while equipped. The LA's head does not rotate to where it looks. Leads are leashed too high on LA's. The warden attacks immediately if it is hit during the emerging animation. Standing on top of mud as it converts to clay causes the player to fall through or be pushed out of the block. And entities standing on top of soul sand or mud that converts to skulk will cause the entity to fall through it. In addition to the pre-releases, we also have release candidates 1 and 2 for Java Edition 119. There were two bugs that were fixed. The darkness effect fading in the death screen causes subtle flashing and an unexpected crash was fixed in release candidate 2. Bedrock Edition also has a beta or preview, 119.10.21. And as we mentioned in our discussion with Prowl last time, Prowl actually gave us the insight that this probably isn't going to be fixes for the release itself. This is all stuff that is probably happening in, you know, the dot one update for Minecraft 119 on Bedrock Edition. So keep that in mind. But the link to the changelog over at feedback.minecraft.net is in our show notes. And to summarize, there's a couple of changes to spectator mode. Spectators can no longer get status effects from gameplay and don't trigger raids while in a village with the bad omen effect. Skulk sensors are now occluded by wool in a consistent manner, no matter which direction vibrations come from. Skulk sensors now retain information about the vibration they're reacting to through saves and loads. Skulk sensors cannot detect woolen carpets hitting the ground in item form anymore, along with players placing, walking on, falling on, or destroying carpets. Skulk sensors can now detect a bunch of other stuff, including players drinking milk, picking up or moving through powder snow, and items being placed into the hands of armor stands. Skulk Shriekers are also retaining information about the vibrations they're reacting to through save and load, so you can't exploit that to get around Skulk Shriekers detecting you. They can also no longer summon a Warden underwater. Wardens can now spawn on more types of non-full blocks, such as upper slabs, redstone dust, snow layers, buttons, and tripwires. Their known limitations, the current solution doesn't allow spawning on type some types of blocks, such as leaves and lower slabs. Warden now retains information about the vibration it's reacting to through save and load, and the sonic boom attack now bypasses enchantment damage reductions such as protection in parity with Java Edition. A few changes for mangrove as well. Mangrove propagules now use the grass sounds. Mangrove propagules are no longer destroyed by flowing water. Mangrove leaf blocks are no longer collected into different stacks when using silk touch. The stripped mangrove logs now craft into stripped mangrove wood instead of mangrove wood. Mangrove propagules now render correctly when placed in flower pots. And sweet berry bushes can now be planted on mud, muddy mangrove roots, and rooted dirt. There are a bunch of other bug fixes, parity changes, and gameplay tweaks listed in the changelog over at feedback.minecraft.net. 
So none of this is overly surprising. What did you think of the trailer? I liked it. I liked the emphasis on the deep dark. It really kind of highlighted that as a standout feature of this update. Um, I still really wish we could pick up chickens like they do in the trailer, which, alas, only possible in the April <laughs> Fool's snapshot. Um, but yeah, I thought it was fun. I think it was kind of interesting that they didn't highlight the mangrove side of things at all. But I think the warden is one of those things that obviously we've been waiting for for a while. And there's, you know, contention in the community about that. But I do think it's nice that the warden is kind of the star of the show in this case. Like, the frogs are cute. Mangroves are great. But the deep dark is really where a lot of the atmosphere of this update comes from and i think it's 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 right to give it its dues i felt the same way i felt that i mean it was important that it, it obviously is is the main drama to to write a trailer around uh i'm kind of surprised though just given my my cartoonist background and my animation and film background it's just like i i'm surprised that there wasn't like a panning shot of a mangrove swamp and one frog kind of going ribbit right before we go down into a cave you know like it was mm -hmm. just enough to say like there's more coming uh, in the update, especially because of the complaints that there isn't a lot coming, which I dis disagree with. I think there's plenty coming, but um, I, I, I was just a little surprised that they didn't have any of that. Um, I will be happy uh, and interested to read uh, the eventual Minecraft.net article that will come out with the release of uh, the wild update because then it'll be listing all of the things that are included, right? So mm -hmm. it'll be a nice big long checklist of, of what's coming. Um, I also, I, the cartoonist in me got a kick out of the chicken laying an egg at the end because it was yeah. so scared and, and, uh, and the warden kind of whipping around. Um, I felt like there wasn't as many particles being emitted when the warden was coming out of the dirt in the same way that it does in game. It could have been just the lighting. I know there were some particles, but it, it felt like a little, a little blocky and clunky, but like you, there's only so much you can do with a, a warden blocky model kind of crawling out of the out of the dirt but um i i know what you mean about the chickens i think the combination of the chicken laying an egg and the fact that the the players in the trailer can pick it up it, it really makes me want to walk around with the chicken and be able to squeeze it and have like an egg come out mm -hmm. like i just i feel like that would be it would just, it'd be silly and fun and just you have a chicken gun that shoots eggs at people i just i feel like that would be i feel like just i think that would be funny <laughs> it'd make laying eggs uh for cakes and stuff like that like whenever you just need to like pick up a chicken and shake it like it's <laughs> it, it, it does kind of it, whenever i've been playing minecraft bingo or anything like that the egg is always one of those things that you have to you have to make sure you know where a chicken is at all times just in case an egg happens and mm. so yeah mm -hmm. i can i can see the the convenience in that um the emphasis on the warden is also kind of cool it goes hand in hand with um an interview they did with king b dogs for minecraft.net just kind of outlining some of the development process of the warden for people who might have missed the video that was on the Minecraft YouTube channel a while back about all of the different concepts and stuff that went into the Warden, the different concept art that was shared of the iterations of it. And it's it's worth a read if you haven't seen this article already. So uh, we'll probably leave a link to that in our show notes as well. It wasn't really in part of the, the news segment, but I still think it's worth highlighting. I see we move right into some email then. Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. Uh, this uh, first email comes in from Zach Chris, who's a community miner in our Discord, but anybody can email the show if they want to, so if you're interested in emailing in, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The subject of this one is redstone ore veins. Johnny and Joel, in episode 194, Pix was talking about how it would be interesting to consider giant redstone veins along the lines of iron and copper, and the thought struck me, you know how dripstone caves have more copper and copper veins, and badlands have more gold? What if the deep dark had more redstone. 
Imagine redstone ore veins being intertwined with skulk blocks. It might be annoying to switch tools while mining, but maybe redstone ore veins are one of the reasons whoever built the ancient cities are some of the only inhabitants of the world that used redstone, and possibly, uh, possibly even why skulk sensors emit redstone power. Zachris angered the warden because he followed the redstone vein. I like the idea. I wonder if they may stand out or look out of place, like redstone veins in the deep dark. Yeah. But then again, like we have redstone deep slate ore, right? So if the veins are only deep slate, like that's why I feel like the they've done a, a good job of trying to make like copper veins stand out with like granite and copper. Mm -hmm. And then you've got um it's 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 tough and and iron veins, right? That yeah, are down yeah, in correct. the deep dark and not in the deep dark, they're down in the deep slate levels. So redstone up against like the perp like not the the turquoisey black kind of um skulk blocks if it was in the deep slate it might make uh might make it look a little bit cooler i don't know whether you'd want to have like because there's no there's no well i guess redstone dust is technically raw redstone but there's not a raw redstone block as of yet mm -hmm. and i feel like you might want to add that for consistency with you know the raw copper block or the raw iron block that you might find in the other veins yeah yeah um i I do like the 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 idea behind all of it though, which is is trying to communicate to players an in-game redstone reason why skulk sensors work together because there's all these skulk sensors around, and because I mean, is it's like it's a chicken and an egg conversation. Like, are the skulk sensors and the and the skulk there because there's so much redstone present in these veins, or vice versa? Is the veins a result of the skulk and the deep dark being there has it warped the rocks around it you know it's kind of like this choo choose your poison you're like which which way do you want to 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 see the lore um i i just like the idea of the thought behind it um but for me a larger question would be do we want more or veins or more veins in general in in the deeper parts of the world uh you've done a lot of vein mining you know in terms of resource gathering and stuff like that do you think that we need more veins in this way or do you think that we have kind of a, a enough right now I, I mean i think for me it's more just kind of wishful thinking in a sense because going out mining for redstone has been kind of hit and miss for me like it's it's difficult because if you start mining for diamonds you're going to find redstone all the time because redstone increases the way diamond increases as you get further down into the world so i think realistically we're going to find more redstone ore in the deep dark anyway because the deep dark really occurs in the lower regions of the world <laughs> to start with uh so we're probably going to naturally find some of this i think the abundance of it would really come from an additional layer of generation on top of that in the same way that yeah there's a lot more copper as they were saying in dripstone caves and i don't think we need it i think it's more just trying to think about how that idea can be expanded and what other materials it could be expanded to redstone seems like one of the more balanced ones because if you consider coal veins i mean you've got mountains to go and mine for as much coal as you want to and there's coal more or less everywhere so i feel like a coal vein wouldn't be as valuable diamond on the flip side is too valuable and then the only other things we can really think of are gold which you know already generates in larger quantities in badlands biomes because it doesn't have the height restriction that it does in other biomes and so yeah there's a a variety of other materials that could be present in ores but 
I think Redstone is the only one that really fits a vein setup and, and would allow you to just keep mining, keep mining, keep finding Redstone without it affecting too much of the game balance. I think right now you're only shot at getting like a higher than normal amount of diamonds, aside from mining really low down in the world, is to find a fossil in deep slate levels, because apparently diamond ore generates around those, but nobody really finds fossils just by stumbling into them, uh, really. Like, you get them underneath swamps and deserts, and that's really it, so people don't tend to go caving under those biomes much anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the ore vein idea is great, and it's one of the things that has really transformed the caving experience beyond just, oh wow, the caves look really interesting now. I think ore distribution and the ore veins have been you know, one of the pivotal features of this update. I would like to see them expanded, but at this point, expanding them, if it's not to redstone, it probably comes into it being another material at that point. Right. And, and that's, I mean, that's where I was kind of going with it too. Like, does it have to be necessarily like one of the precious ores or do the, just the veins and the idea of getting a lot of material from a vein do two things? One, give the player an opportunity to gather a lot of stuff, but then also kind of remove the blobbiness of some of the current you know different stone distribution in the game like i often find that granite and diorite kind of look blobby when yeah. you find them in mm -hmm. the world but what if what if cal uh, calcite and diorite could be found together in in white veins kind of like streaking through you know the underground i think that would be really cool i don't know if it would work in, in a deep slate cave but like in a regular cave rather than having this kind of chunk of diorite which I'm not a geologist. That could be how diorite actually forms. I'm assuming it's an igneous rock. But, yeah. you know, like if, if for the sake of Minecraft and aesthetics and kind of cooler looking rock formations and stuff like that, if I had a, a white, you know, calcite diorite um, vein twisting through my cave base, I don't know that I would mine it out immediately. I was just like, this actually looks pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think about the redstone as well. Like, you know, there's not a lot going on in the big deep dark uh sorry i keep on getting these confused in the big deep slate caves that you can run across they're pretty bleak there's not a lot going on mm -hmm. uh, unless you're in like a lush cave and even then it feels kind of strange that there's all this lush stuff on this dark dark stone but having like a redstone cave like maybe we push it beyond you know an actual vein what if it's a biome like what if there's an interesting little biome where there's lots of redstone and maybe they're not veins maybe akin to uh, pulling stuff from Minecraft dungeons. Maybe you have big redstone clusters or crystals like pushing out of the walls in the same way that a deep slate, uh, sorry, a dripstone cave has stalagmites and stalactites kind of coming out of the walls. You know, we've got things that are essentially veins. They're in a different form, but an amethyst geode, it's kind of like a vein. You know, like you can get them in various sizes. They're, you kind of stumble upon them. It's a different shape, but it still kind of has the same function. Like what about the the echo shard we've got no idea where that comes from so maybe something like that you know like either an echo shard vein or an echo shard geode you know like i don't know what any of these look like but i feel like the idea of more unique distribution of uh of these kind of valuable materials in minecraft is kind of a neat idea like we've got small veins of diamonds like and i can understand them not wanting to maybe touch diamonds because it's such a long-standing like experience in the game but if diamonds appeared slightly differently maybe there's not more of them they're not you're not going to get more 
to the player, but if they just appeared in a different way or uh, same things with emeralds, you know, like, I mean, we know you're a fan of the emerald ore block. If you could get, if you could get more of those and it doesn't necessarily have to be down in the, in the deep dark places of the world, like maybe more emerald veins are happening higher up in the mountains, you know? Um, but, and would that then help with, you know, some farms that can be kind of quote unquote overpowered, like the stacking pillager raid farms where you just end up with more emeralds than you know what to do with. And then you just never care about them ever again. Yeah. But if there were ore veins that were cool to find and could yield you a lot of emeralds early on, then that might be something that's like, well, I don't need to build this farm if I can just find an emerald ore vein because then I'm going to be set for a little while, you know? Yeah, I think that's one of the one of the reasons we got huge ore veins was so that mining iron could be a bit more competitive with iron farms again. And sure. so I kind of, I, I, I get the idea of now that stacking raid farms seem to be a much more common occurrence and they're just more widespread in terms of their usage, um, emeralds and redstone are two things that could potentially be sourced much more easily through, you know, mining if mining was expanded to include them that way. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, because I still I, I still value the emerald ore because of its rarity and having That's gone mining... Too. Yeah, I, I went I went mining in a mountain recently and came away with a bunch of emerald ore, but I was going with the intent of looking for deep slate emerald, and I still haven't found any. And so coming across like an entire huge vein of it would kind of be like, you know, yay, it's a cool thing at first, but then it also removes some of the novelty of it for me. So like the the rarity of that kind of stuff sometimes has to be retained and, and respected in a sense. Um, yeah, calcite veins already occur in um, those kind of streaks in... Yes. Uh, stony mountain peaks so I, I really like that idea and i would love to see that expanded to other types of material in the world like you said not necessarily the the precious stuff um going back to zach chris's email though and the focus on the deep dark and its relationship with redstone i feel like that could still be explored but i'm not sure if there is still room for it in this current vision of the deep dark i feel like the deep dark now feels like a much more complete thing and i don't know if that's going to be all that modifiable in future unless we get a deep dark sub biome later on in the same sense that we have mangroves as like a sub biome of swamps or something like that there might be like a deep dark area that ends up with more redstone or maybe a generated structure like you said like a geode that includes a bit more redstone i wouldn't be opposed to the idea i think it makes sense and i like the idea because the deep dark has that kind of experimental area under the portal where you can find a bunch of redstone gadgets and learn a little bit more about redstone if you've managed to get there to begin with. So I think there's there's potential for exp expanding and explaining the relationship between the two of them, yeah. And I think that Zachris has their next uh, bio makeover project ready and ready, ready <laughs> to go, go, right? Like, like <laughs> I, I, I've always said this. Like, if if you're if you're not a fan of the fact that you know a birch forest renovation hasn't come along sooner, like it, make it a project in your own world. Like, I, I know it, it seems like the kind of thing that um, you know folks want the developers to take a forward foot in, but you you can also, you know, you you can have a have a crack at that yourself, and you'll be surprised at the results. Next email comes in from Matt T more compacted blocks. Hey, Pixar Riffs and Joel. We all know inventory management is challenging, <clears throat> the worst, in Minecraft, but one thing that does help the ability to compact uh, items by crafting them into a new block, like raw ore into ore blocks, ingots into a full block, or dried kelp into a kelp block. 
what new compacted blocks would you like to see make it into the game? I'd love to see an ender pearl block. I know that round shapes into a square block would be weird, but I think this would help a lot and could have a cool block texture. And uh, also, I think crafting gunpowder into a gunpowder block would be helpful and give a new gray texture, which is always useful. Matt exploded by placing a gunpowder block. Helpful, he says from the afterlife. <laughs> So um, my first thought immediately was blocks of dye, please. Um, mm. I'm not sure how they would look different to wool or concrete at this point, but dyes are one of those things where it's really helpful to craft a bunch of it, but then it just sits around in a chest for a while. And because there are 16 different colors of it, it's the kind of thing that, yeah, I would love to have storage blocks for those so that you can just break a little bit off every time you want it. That's why I find bone blocks really useful. And part of it is to, yes, get bone meal and transport a large amount of bone meal because that's so useful but also you can have you know a handful of white dye at your fingertips same with lapis blocks and those are the two significant ones that are you know effectively blocks for blue and white dye right now but like a block of green dye after you've spent all of your time smelting that cactus and then realizing that you've got nothing to do with it for a little while you still want to have it around but i think it's you know, ripe for, for a, a block of dye, whatever that looks like. Um, the gunpowder block, I feel like, would just end up looking like um, grey concrete powder or gravel. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely certain what the new grey texture would end up being for something like a gunpowder block. Um, the other thing that immediately sprung to mind was flint. <laughs> because please, give me something to do with flint. Um, having occasionally fortuned my way through a stack of gravel with the wrong type of shovel, I think it's it's worth having more uses for flint in future and right now it can be used to make a flint and steel and arrows i guess and that's kind of it and i don't tend to craft arrows at all because i have an infinity bow and a skeleton spawner and you know whatever else so i think blocks of flint could have the potential to be something a bit more like um like the ancient debris texture where it kind of like overlaps a little bit yes um and yeah. it's got like leaves of it almost like i love that idea and i love the idea of flint almost looking like a shale roof tile in a different yeah. way to how um you know dripstone not dripstone <laughs> i've done the same problem deep slate tiles um like they, they have the same kind of like roof tile texture idea but having more of like a triangular pattern to them Maybe even something like um, like Prismarine Brick, where it like it, it interlocks, but in a different way. I like blocks like that a lot. They're always something that helps it kind of stand out. So yeah, block of flint is is my my probably my chief vote in all of this. I'm with you on the dyes, and and you could even get into something like maybe combining dyes into a block gives you a pastel block. You know, as in mm -hmm. like in the same way that dye is mushed into a pastel in real life for art supplies. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, combining it, I don't know, with maybe like a bottle of water. So maybe it's not nine, maybe it's eight. You know, you can compress eight dye into uh, and a bottle of water into a pastel block, giving you a like maybe a cool you know Easter pastel kind of color or something like that. Um, to then store and use because that's I think that's the one thing that like I don't know if we necessarily need more primary color blocks we have the concrete blocks like you mentioned uh, so giving a, a red dye block a different texture would be very very cool um, my brain went to uh, more practical things like bamboo 
So yeah, good for building because it would make it look like a bundle of bam- bamboo, but also good for smelting because then you could have more of them to maybe smelt things a little bit faster. Um, but it, you can't auto craft. So like you'd still have to craft this stuff yourself. So it's up to you, like feed bamboo raw into your smelters and have it take forever or, you know, craft a bamboo block and and work with it that way in the same way that kelp, you know, can be uh, or sorry, uh, dried kelp can be combined into a, a kelp block, uh, raw kelp sticks bundled up like hay i think that would be good for building things um we have kind of like a stick like texture coming with the mangrove roots so like yeah that that's what i was thinking bit, was a little bit roots. redundant you know but a solid block of sticks you know that's bound up and looks like hay would be great for decoration for building for all kinds of things and mm-hmm. to store a bunch of sticks all together because depending on what kind of a farm you have you might end up with a lot of them um on the silly side of things Stuff like potatoes, carrots, beetroots, apples, like I, why not? You know, like it's Minecraft. Uh, we have, you know, raw iron that looks like beans. Like, why not give me an apple block? I don't know <laughs> what that looks like. Maybe it's a giant apple. Maybe it's a bundle of apples. But then my brain thought, well, similar to that idea for the pastels. What if you have to create potato, carrot and beetroot blocks with a barrel? So you get a barrel of those things and those barrels could then stack in your inventory. But at least you could combine you know, the, 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 the barrels of potatoes into something that would be condensing your inventory a bit. Um, and then flower blocks, uh, again, it's Minecraft. I I understand that the idea of taking a bunch of daisies and smooshing them together into a giant block doesn't make a lot of sense, but I think it would be great to have some brightly colored pattern blocks for building, decorating and, and all kinds of stuff that do not have the same difficulty of integration as glazed terracotta you know that don't have Mm -hmm. like that pattern that only looks good when it starts to connect but if it was a standalone block in the same way that cobblestone or stone bricks or calcite kind of like standalone but also combine together and have that nice um, tiled texture if you could have flower blocks that do that i imagine there's a lot of people out there that would just like oh i can finally wallpaper my house you know i can have (laughs) those 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 blocks that kind of like look really cool and i mean you could also get into all kinds of creative things as to like hanging a block of roses from a from a a chain might look like a, a you know, a, a city flower box hanging. Yeah, from like a, a, like a hanging basket kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can um, see that. All of this just gives us more blocks. It doesn't necessarily fix the inventory management thing, though, because for <laughs> me, it's not that I want to carry more. It's that I want to carry more different things. I run yeah. in a variety of slots, not necessarily that I want to carry 300 trapdoors with me. It's that I I want to carry three different kinds of trapdoors with me and I only have room for two Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it, of all the it, other blocks. It doesn't necessarily help. Compacted blocks help storage. They don't necessarily yes. help inventory management because yeah. Yeah, we, we are effectively adding you know a handful of blocks to the game like with with die blocks especially that's like well 16 other things that we have to have in our inventories like yeah. you know we're, we're creating the problem by solving the problem um yeah my last vote under the silly column was rotten flesh like a block of rotten flesh would be very funny <laughs> I, I i almost i almost have the idea of it just looking like the old netherrack texture but um yeah i don't know a a a, a, a fun and stinky idea um of oh. like yeah having basically like a jerky block yeah Oh, well, so see, there you go, though. You're adding some ideas, though, that could be really useful. Like we've got campfires that emit particles. What if uh, a rotten flesh block had the same particle effect, but it was green? 
There's a stink you know, lines, like, yeah. <laughs> like stink, stink lines coming off of it. Or maybe it drips like crying obsidian, which would be Ew. gross, but, yeah. <laughs> but but also cool. Like if you wanted to have that creepy, you know, right along with your respawn anchor, you could have, you know, crying obsidian and and flesh blocks dripping all over your, your visitors. Like that could be morbid, but it's cool. I mean, cool. I, I've heard Minecraft is a horror game now. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's probably, <laughs> probably going to work. Uh, speaking of which, let's move on to talking about preparing for for the wild update the update that is going to turn minecraft into a horror game we say in giant inverted commas um so it's arriving tomorrow as we've heard uh what if anything are we doing to prepare and um we're probably in slightly different camps here i think we both want to update but in terms of you running a server that's got to be a slightly different thing to me updating a single player world so uh, why don't you kick us off so we normally will go through a lot of work when there's a big update. Like 118 is a great example because like there was a lot of chunk trimming. There is a lot of uh, a lot of work involved in updating the server. And and we of course wait for a beat because we have some performance mods with Fabric, the Fabric API, things like um, Phosphor and a few other things that help with with server and client performance. So. Uh, with most people on the server streaming, we want to kind of wait for the dust to settle and for those mods to be solid and stuff like that. Um, but because there's really not much in terms of expansion in turn, like with the 119 update, um, we just had a little chat uh, three to four weeks ago on the server. Uh, once we realized that the snapshots were feature complete, we just said, hey, look, let's just not go traveling out a couple thousand blocks for the next three to four weeks. And it was an easy conversation because pretty much everyone on the server is dealing with or working on a large project currently close to our original chunks, most of them with the exception of me. But even then I'm off in like a, a fast travel area, right? So like I'm off in this medieval area. It was established in like before 116. So really anything that I've done there, it won't matter. It's not like I'm gonna be able to get deep dark right underneath me. So uh, we really just kind of are, we've decided not to trim the chunks. I'm, I'm just gonna update the server whenever we know it comes to it. And for that, again, we'll probably wait just to see if there's like a 119.1 or 119.2, there might be a bug or a crash or something like that. Uh, so we'll just kind of wait for that. Uh, hopefully it's not gonna be too long. We'll probably give it a, a few days and, and see how how things work. Um, depends on the streaming schedule for people that are on the server as well. But in terms of preparing, there really wasn't much to do because it's a five-year-old server this July. Uh, the fast travel command blocks that I've mentioned several times in the show really allow us to kind of go out and enjoy something like the new mountain zone that we have that has 118 uh, uh, villages and it's got, it's got you know, deep uh, dripstone caves. It's got massive... Uh, deep slate areas. It's got a huge um, uh, lush cave and none of the chunks between where we are and the 20,000 blocks that we went out to establish the 118 area have been loaded because it's an instant travel from one point to another. Mm -hmm. And that's just a decision that we made on the server to make this kind of thing a lot easier. So now someone, I'm going to use Alistair as an example, because he's kind of like in the northern tip of our current like spawn area where everybody kind of built their bases. If he decided now to travel a thousand or 2000 blocks north looking for deep, dark or ancient cities or something like that, he's pretty likely to find it because none of those chunks between him and other areas have been loaded. Um, and uh, for that, I think it's, we're just going to kind of stick the way that 
that things are. Um, and actually, it rose a question for me that we can probably save for another episode, but I'll pose it now for people to kind of percolate over the next little while. I wonder how often players feel behind working on massive projects that span several updates. Mm -hmm. Because with me, I'm on West Hill. I'm going to continue West Hill. I'm, I'm going to maybe, you know, explore a little bit of, of the new update when it happens. But it's not like I'm putting the brakes on West Hill and now playing, you know, the wild update for the next six months. You know, I'm, I'm going to continue on with my project. And most of the people on the server have similar projects going on. So I'm just wondering for, for future reference uh, listeners, if you've got ideas or, or questions or your own experience to share, write into the show and, and let us know. Like if you've got a big project that you started a while ago, like do you feel that you you want to continue to work on it and not necessarily go right out and explore the new update? Or have you been waiting? Say like you you really need Skulk for your your big idea. So you've been waiting with bated breath for the for the new update to to come out. Um, but that's kind of where we are as a server. Like it's not it's not as um complicated an update, which I'm actually kind of relieved for because the last few updates have been like holy crap upside down. <laughs> You yeah. know, start mm -hmm. starting with with the nether update, like we had to do a lot of like, OK, don't explore the nether too far. And I trimming the chunks of the nether was really hard because there was no biome blending. And so they're all that kind of stuff. So this feels like a, a smoother knock on wood, you know, update than than previous. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it definitely feels less than like the big upheaval of 1.18 and worries about is this biome going to transition properly into the next one and that kind of that kind of stuff. So. That's helped me feel pretty confident in what I'm doing, which is actually trimming unused sections of my overworld. And I've already done that, actually. Um, I, I spent some time in NCA Selector today because I figured the first thing I'm going to do when the update arrives tomorrow is is just go straight in in my world. And I'm probably not going to leave spawn until then if I do any more work on the world today. So I opened it up in NCA Selector. I looked at the broad range of the world that I have currently explored and went, I don't need like 99.99999% of this. Um, and so I, I ran the brilliant filter that MCA Selector provides to filter your chunks by time inhabited. So less than two minutes worth of time spent in a chunk, it goes. Because that's more than likely a chunk that I have just flown over with Elytra, probably haven't even sat down to like open my ender chest and get more fireworks or anything. I've just gone. And most of those are reaching out to far-flung biomes like uh, uh, Badlands for some terracotta and red sand, the desert that I've been out to, the icy plains that I've been out to, all of which is a fair distance away in my world. And I've been looking at where swamps are. Um, I know that mangrove swamps can spawn in a variety of places. They're often adjacent to jungles, so it's not just going to be where the swamps are just gets replaced or, you know, added onto with a mangrove swamp, but there's still a couple of places where I'm thinking, yeah, that seems like prime mangrove territory. And I have no idea where the deep dark is going to spawn, so I figured, yeah, I might as well. And I think I can do this with more confidence now that the biome blending thing is part of the upgrade process. And hopefully if there is a hard edge on a swamp biome then the new mangrove swamp terrain is probably going to blend right in um and yeah seeing as i'm updating my world as soon as the update was released that was kind of a, a priority for me this time around though i'm not touching the nether or the end i'm really just doing it for the sake of new biomes being able to generate in the overworld but I still managed to trim about three gigabytes of terrain data from my world save. So it's now looking a little bit more slim, uh, a little bit more manageable, and it backs up within a matter of seconds instead of taking a minute and a half. Nice. Uh, looking at the screenshot that you shared in our, our live chat, like, um, man, like you have one desert. 
yeah. and oh, yeah. Badlands. <laughs> it's not like, good. Um, yeah. And that that's, it's really funny, like, the perspective that this gives you, especially considering that even the full-size image that I've shared in Discord, it's like a 4K screenshot of this thing, you have to open it up full-size, zoom in to actual size, and you can just about see the roof of my mob farm and, uh, you know, a few regions north of that, uh, the Guardian farm. And the regions are like 512 by 512 areas of the world. They're like the second scale up of maps. They're really not small. That's 32 by 32 chunks. So if you're looking at an overview of this, it's massive. And the the Badlands biome, the desert, they're all like three or 4,000 blocks out from spawn. And you can't even see spawn on this map. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's rough. But it really, once again pulls into perspective how little impact i've had on this world so far and how mm. much stuff i want to do to be able to have things that you can you can literally see from space if space is this program but yeah it's it's a whole lot of work and a lot more building needs to get done but really interesting to see a more terrain focused overview of the world as i have currently explored it because there may be other desert biomes and other bits and pieces around and it also gives me a good picture of which areas of the world I haven't explored. I haven't gone northwest all that much, but there's still, yeah, like the the biome distribution in this world definitely favors those more temperate biomes. Like, you know, there's a lot of birch forest there. There's a lot of jungle. There's a lot of savanna and the extremes of temperature like deserts, badlands and snow plains. You don't really find anywhere close to spawn. We have the disadvantage on the Citadel of the world being generated in 112. And and so when I go to look at a seed online, our seed, it's vastly different. Like spawn is like a badlands compared to a, a, a forest. And so it's very difficult to get your bearings. And I have to kind of compare uh, an amidst map uh, or a um, MCA selector map with a online tool, none of which I find very good in mm -hmm. terms of getting your bearings. I, I don't find the ones that kind of give you like the cartoonish outline of a biome. I don't find that tells me near as much as something like an MCA selector, but MCA selector is only going to load your loaded chunks. It's you can't yeah. go into yeah, MCA yeah. selector and explore around and try to find an area. Like if you wanted to open up a seed and try to find like a, an ice spikes or a, or a mangrove swamp, like you, you can't do that in MCA selector, which is too bad because the information and the visuals that MCA selector gives you is fantastic. I find yeah. it very easy to get my bearings when I'm looking at the Citadel on MCA selector. Um, yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the end because um, something I should add is that we have, it's not a 119 thing. It's actually a, a fix that happened in 118, but we've got some gateways that are a problem. And mm -hmm. so we have to actually uh, use some commands to remove our end gateways around the dragon and or around the main end island, remove all of them. And then we're going to go ahead and fight the dragon I think it's 20 times to get all the gateways done. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's going to be it. So that's going to be a, a 119 thing as a result of 118 fixes is that we're going to be fighting the dragon permanently in the Citadel. Uh, and then we're going to be able to do something cool with the end island. I'm not sure what that's going to be yet, but um, we're going to, and we're resetting the outer end islands just because it's a server and it makes easier to get yeah. shulker boxes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, it's something I considered for this, and I, I bring it up in the tutorial that I'm pub publishing tomorrow about MCA Selector, but nice. I, I haven't explored most of the 
like southwestern or western parts of the end because i've only fought the dragon i think three times so i have a couple of end gateways and that's it so you know if, if i need to do that stuff i can but I, I went end raiding recently i got myself about 60 shulker boxes worth of shells i'm good for a while i think and honestly i might end up making a shulker farm one of these days anyway at which point the only real reason to go end raiding is for elytra and maybe you know a couple of extra diamond tools i suppose um but yeah, like I, I'm aside from the um, the the actual practical side of trimming down the world, I'm sort of preparing for 119 by reminding myself of everything that's actually in this update. Because recently uh, there's been a lot of discussion about what's not in the update, and it's been difficult to keep the actual features in mind. Like I, I go through a, a mental list of like, okay, so the deep dark is coming. We've got the warden. There's a mangrove swamp. There are frogs. There's all of the mangrove wood and stuff. But then. I frequently find myself having to remember and remind myself that we're also getting chest boats, uh, goat horns, the whole family of mud blocks with all the bricks and walls and whatnot, um, the swift sneak enchantment, um, you know, the stuff that we can do with recovery compasses, that kind of stuff. Like th Those things, like, they feel like smaller features because they're not specifically tied to a biome in the way that the deep, dark and ancient cities and stuff are, but I think it's still like a pretty broad update when you look at it as a bigger picture, especially if I can't keep all of the features of the update in my head at once. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm still trying to remind myself of like, oh yeah, this or that exists. And I think that's a good place to be because I think the update is still going to have some surprises for me when I jump in and survival and actually get to play it. Have you been holding off with any builds or any ideas because of, of stuff coming? Um, Not especially, but I still feel like I'm... I mean, almost in the process of setting up this world, in a sense. Like, I think there are some things that mangrove wood would be nice for, and I love the idea of working with the roots and the mud and all of that kind of stuff. But I'm not stalling on starting a desert town because I think mud brick is going to work really well in deserts, for example. Like, I, I have so many ongoing projects at this point that I'm just thinking, what's next? What can I do with what I've already got? And I think because 118 was such a big update and it followed on from caves and cliffs part one which added so many of the blocks and everything and because i started a brand new world with 118 terrain i'm not feeling the pinch of like man i'm really waiting for this update to come out you know what i mean like i'm still moving along at quite a pace regardless of whether or not the wild update was on the way it just happens to be that it is so i'm <laughs> i'm not too worried about like stalling on stuff and just kind of holding out waiting for that kind of stuff i'm i'm still happy at the pace that i'm currently working I, i'm mostly the same i don't have any new build ideas that i'm like really pausing on but there's certainly texture aspects of west hill where i'm just like i'm gonna wait to do this riverbank until the mud block is around yeah yeah mm -hmm. just to just to see you know like how cool would it be to be able to use mangrove roots uh as a way to create like roots from normal trees just going into the riverbank you know just different landscaping things and stuff like that that i thought like i know what i want to do here but i'm so close to having more reasons resources at my fingertips i'm just gonna wait a little bit and kind of move on to another aspect uh i didn't stop and and put the entire riverbank of Lowtown, which is all muddy river shoreline on hold uh i just kind of like finished that realized what i was working with with 118 and then before i started a new riverbank i thought i'm just gonna wait for 119 just to kind of see what happens uh i mentioned earlier in the show that i'm waiting for waterlogged leaf blocks to kind of finish some of the canal and river decoration that i've wanted to do for a while 
Um, and then also mangrove wood. Like I've I've not been blitzing ahead and putting roofs in all the houses because uh, one of the things I've been struggling with, of course, in in um, West Hill is like there's so many brown roofs and there's only so many different colors of brown in the game. And having a new wood, especially in a new area of West Hill, whether I'm thinking to try and make it more colorful. So having another wood type and another color to kind of mess with, I think is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also, you know, from time to time, I like to take breaks from West Hill and go and do some other redstone stuff. And that's where I'm also thinking, like, I've got some farm designs. I'd like to try to mess around with skulk sensors. Uh, Jumbo Sale in our chat is talking about breakable Minecraft hoppers and minecart chests, like looking forward to the redstone opportunities that that's going to involve. And yeah, like I, I'd like to do a, a more powerful farm, you know, for gold, or I'd like to have a, a farm for bamboo that just kicks out a ton of bamboo, but it's going to be much easier with chest boats and hopper minecarts and stuff like that uh, to explore some new mechanics and, and go that way. Um, I, for one, uh, I am noticing that I'm using a lot of bricks now, uh, like clay bricks in, in West Hill. And I do not have a lot. I understand that I could trade with villagers. And that was one of the plans that we had in the modern city before my villagers died. Uh, and now I was just too lazy slash frustrated to go get other ones. Maybe it's going to be more fun to try to build a clay farm, you know, and, and figure out how that can affect maybe my, my clay income uh on on the server and so that you know that's kind of cool plus with villagers i don't have a monster stream of emeralds at the moment so like trading with villagers for massive amounts of blocks is not really a thing that i can do Mm -hmm. and um other things like frogs and frog lights you know like i'm looking forward to trying to set up a magma cube frog flight farm uh, to try to have more of those blocks around. And and I don't know, it might not be me. Maybe somebody else on the server is going to do it first. But like those are the kind of things I'm looking forward to as like little breaks from, from West Hill that won't take forever, but it'll be a couple of streams of like, you know, finding a bastion and maybe finding a magma cube spawner or if it's going to be more efficient to set one up in a um, basalt delta or, or something like that. Um, so I'm looking forward to exploring that kind of stuff. And, you know, of course, having other light blocks that we can use in West Hill. So frog lights, there's a couple of them that lend themselves, I think, to medieval buildings. So I'm looking forward to that. Really, I should make a to-do list because um, when when the eventual article comes out that says like, hey, 119 is here and here are all the things that we added. And there is a lot. Um, I am looking forward to things like, you know, reminding myself, you need to go find some swift sneak because that is going to make building high up, which you're doing a lot in West Hill really useful you know Mm -hmm. when you can crouch and build at speed or move at speed it's going to change a lot of things i don't think it's going to fix the problems that i have with scaffolding but it'll fix some things (laughs) yeah you know uh Uh, so there's all that kind of stuff i'm i'm looking forward to and i mean i will eventually you know do the warden thing and 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 explore that because i think it's going to be worth worth seeing and i i want to make sure that i'm if i'm doing stuff on, on this show like forming you know, thoughts and, and sharing my opinion on the ward. And I want to make sure it's not just me watching videos of other people do it. Um, but I'm also waiting because um, Servermate uh, Alistair wants to experience that. He's actually been skipping sections of the spawn chunks and not listening to or watching any update videos because he wants to go into the deep dark completely blind, not knowing yeah. what the heck is going on. So he's going to have a very raw experience and I'm going to wait for that to happen on the server. I think that's going to be fun. Yeah, stay tuned for the cries of "What is that happening?" From you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, for, for me, I'm, I'm planning to find a mangrove swamp first, I think. Uh, I'm I'm a lot happier kind of escalating to the deep dark and stuff later. Uh, ancient cities can wait even longer. Like, I'm, I'm much more interested, I think, in the, the block palette style of, style of things, the skulk and whatever. Like, I've had my first experience mm -hmm. of the Warden in the snapshot where it was first introduced. So I think that kind of experience side of things can wait for me but i'm also interested in treating that as an experience you know like it's like raiding mm. a desert temple but with extra stuff it's like the the whole experience of the the thing is the reason to go rather than it being about the loot for me i know it's going to be about the loot for other people and people are still having debates about whether it's you know good to you know expand the loot in future and what other options there will be but for now i think i'm really in it for actually having that experience in Minecraft and it feeling like something new and different and alien and then we'll work on it from there. Um, mangroves though, mangroves are really interesting trees to farm from what I've seen. Like I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting to grips with this kind of propagule style of sapling because they grow from below leaves but when you grow a fresh mangrove tree from them you get propagules dangling from under those leaves once the tree is fully formed so you don't get extra saplings from breaking leaf blocks for once like you're either shearing or silk touching the leaves or you're getting sticks and the propagules are just a block that forms underneath the leaf blocks and they just naturally drop as you break the leaves anyway so there's there's like a couple of different mechanics to them that make them very different from the usual style of tree farming not to mention how they grow and the root blocks and how close to each other you can grow them and that kind of thing is all stuff i have to work out and that's the kind of stuff i'm interested in right now because i want to have long-term building blocks and be able to mess with those on a on a regular basis um and then it comes down to you know skulk and how to spread that and how to get more of that and whether i'm using it for building with at all or if i'm planning on using it as an xp source or both there's there's so many different options there so that's the kind of stuff that i think is going to be my priority once we get into the update i'm maybe getting into the frog like game a little later but in the meantime i want to take frogs to different biomes i want to you know raise tadpoles in different places and find out how that works i think there's a lot of potential for just experiences within this update and traveling and exploration and stuff before we really get into the meat of you know the technical side of things and incorporating that into the existing worlds i think there's a lot there to just go out and discover in the first place and i think too there's going to be some some value uh or a lot of value i should say in you know your exploration of chest boats and mangrove swamps and all that kind of stuff for players that may be new to minecraft now you know, mm -hmm. or in several weeks from now. And with the survival guide, like, I mean, I know how I'm going to learn about mangrove trees. <laughs> I'm going to wait for your video. Uh, and, and I think that that's, you know, that kind of stuff is is always interesting because like, I'm always looking for like, well, what's an easy way to get wood? Like, what's an easy way to get these? I mean, the mangrove leaves are fantastic. You know, like mm -hmm. I, and this is the thing. I've been talking a lot about waterlogged leaves. I completely forget that there's a different texture to mangrove leaves, right? Yeah. Like I just, it has not sunk in yet. And and that's what I mean when I, when I underline like just how much is coming with this update because we do a new show about Minecraft and there are blocks that I forget yeah. <laughs> that mm -hmm. are coming until you mention them. I was like, oh, yeah. right. You know, because everybody's excited about something different. 
Absolutely. And uh, yeah, there's people in the chat looking forward to the LA. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't list the LA as right. a feature of this. Like, I need to <laughs> like go out and even... find one of those. I probably need to find another yeah. Woodland Mansion because I've already raided the nearest one to me, I think. But yeah, there's, there's there's so much to it. And, you know, part of me wants to wrap up the podcast now so that 119 comes a little sooner. It's like Christmas morning all over again. Um, so that's <laughs> where we'll wrap up this episode of The Spawn Chunks, folks. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy update day tomorrow. You can find more information about the show and and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud as ever to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community, where pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can participate in our live show recording chat and the monthly Minecraft audio hangout. We're currently at 335 patrons, which is down from last week thanks to the usual patron reshuffle that happened happens at the beginning of the month but as we wave goodbye to those folks we would love to welcome some more people in uh, special thanks go out to our content engineers hunter 555 jumbo sale and yitz thank you all for your support on this episode sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show it's free you can find us at the spawn chunks and twitter and instagram personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast just tell a friend about the spawn chunks and that they can listen on itunes spotify google Podcasts, youtube wherever you can find a podcast you can usually find the spawn chunks be sure to leave a rating on your review platform of choice you can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com and share your first impressions of 119 the rss feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com the patron only rss feed is on the patreon page and you can listen to the render distance the extended version of the podcast right there my name is johnny but online i go by pixel riffs you can find most of what i do at youtube.com slash where i try to make sense of this next update in season two of the minecraft survival guide i also stream three days a week on twitch where i do behind the scenes work for my youtube series and i'm the voice of the unofficial hermitcraft recap which you can find through a quick youtube search aside from that i'm at pixel riffs on both twitter and instagram joel where can people find you online Everything that I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. The Citadel Cafe is my podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment, which you can find at thecitadelcafe.com. We've had a couple weeks off, but we'll be back this week talking about more than likely Stranger Things and Obi-Wan Kenobi. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream three days a week and currently am building a Lego Star Wars helmet. Check it out. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and it's getting wild tomorrow. <laughs>